scandalous, but she's also fabulous. Scandalous. 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 If you don't know, now you fucking know. Scandalous. Notorious. She's so scandalous. Now. Or yesterday. Yesterday, yeah. Uh, it's a brass woodwinds percussion uh, with st stand-up bass, uh, you know, bow and fingers. Um, and I was like, wow, this is fucking the best thing I've ever written. I'm really excited. I mean, it's going to be played by a bunch of 16-year-olds, but I think, it's, I think it's within their realm of, you know, technical, uh, um, you know, ability, I think. Um, I, I, my plan is the piece I wrote for St. Pius um, in Atlanta a few years ago. And then this piece I want to, uh, in, uh, Bucharest, I believe it's in Bucharest. There's an orchestra that you can send them the music and they'll, I think it's $800 for an hour or something like that. Uh, and you can get the, get your music, you know, get the whole orchestra for an hour. So I'm just going to do, re you know, professional recordings of them. Eventually I have to pay someone to do the parts, uh, and stuff. Cause that's, I could do it and it would take me a year, you know, to, to write out all the parts and everything. Um, and some guy will put it in Sibelius and the computer and do it in, you know, an hour or so. But uh, it's, I mean, I'm really excited. I just have to feel like I have a really lot of stuff musically to do now. And um, um, yeah, it's just fun. It's just great from that standpoint. You know, if the band would, you know, we, we got, I just saw the shows for June and it looks good. And I, I tell you, we're going to play with uh, Evanescence and Corn. Yeah, yes. I think that'll be fun. You know, I mean, I like corn. Like I watched them in um, at the soccer stadium uh, the other whatever February with System of a Down. Uh, I didn't see System of a Down because I just had to get home because we played the next night and I'm old and I don't want to sit around a stadium with twenty five thousand people and get stuck in traffic and take two hours to get home. So I felt kind of bad because Serge's brother came by and said, "Hey," and. Uh, I know Serge and uh, Savag, uh, and they're really sweet guys, um, really nice. Uh, but hopefully they'll take us out again, and then we can then I can see him. So, but Corn uh, was Corn sounded really good, you know. I mean, it was a different bass player and a different drummer. And, yeah, uh, it's uh, raw from suicidal tendencies. We talked about that last podcast episode, and I kicked myself because I. I've talked to him a little bit and I was like, oh my God, what was his name? Yeah, it's raw from suicidal tendencies. So I had to throw the, that out there. The bass miss, yeah, they're bass player. Um, it's they have raw from suicidal tendencies doing it. Oh so I'd be totally amiss to uh let that go by twice because I was kicking myself last time because I was like, oh I know who that is. Oh, I know who that is. So I was like, oh I, my god, I couldn't think of it. I didn't officially meet him. Uh I we I was going somewhere and I saw uh, Brian, the guitar head, the guitarist who I know forever uh, with I, I, the, the bass player or it was not too long before the show. And then Jonathan came out, said, hey, we had already played. And so I talked to Jonathan for a minute. Uh, really good dude. Uh, and then uh, oh, Ray, it was Ray and the bass player came out of their room. And uh, I, I've met Ray before, but uh, the base, no, nobody who said, hey, this is our, you know, bassist so-and-so or whatever. He was just kind of standing there, you know, and they sounded good. I mean, that Ray, Ray's such a good drummer. He's, and, and it changes the music for me, you know what I mean? It's like, and uh, look, it's, I'm 
61 years old, so I'm not, I'm not their target audience, you know, uh, when, you know, with lyrically, when, you know, Jonathan knows what he's doing, you know, the fuck, what, uh, what's that song about fuck? Uh, oh, y'all, y'all in a single say fuck that, fuck that. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, oh. that. And then, well, of course, like you said, fuck, then I automatically think Adidas all day long. I dream about sex. Yeah, yeah. Is another one of their funny ones, you know, that I remember from like when I was in middle school or, I think they have or a, something. I think they have a sense of humor about it. I'm, no, uh, but their music has definitely matured a lot more uh, over the years, for sure. And um, than the song, than the two songs that we're talking about, absolutely. They've done so many things musically, and they've um, really changed with the times and incorporated new styles of music that are popular and mainstream into uh, their new sound. Um, I think more so the past, like maybe five, six years ago than maybe now, but they've definitely aged really well, of course. And of course, gotten, you know. And I was like, I, I, I enjoy this. Like rhythmically, yeah. there, there were interesting things going on rhythmically. They catch a riff and they go with it. And, and, uh, and if they were assholes, you know, I, I would say so. They, but they're not. Every single yeah. guy, Every single guy could not be nicer to me anyway. I mean, I, Monkey James came to our dressing room day one. He was the first guy to stop by. And, and, and that guy is just one of the nicest. He was sweet back then. All of them were nice to me back then. So I always liked them as, as people. And I'm happy that they, um, you know, that uh, from my perspective as I'm a music first guy, you know what I mean? Like, I don't care what you wear or what you, you know, your your trip is I, I just don't care you know I, I listen to the music and if the music's working for me and I just it's cool to see you know that I don't know I was like and I heard good things about system too you know I know um, as I said Serge and uh and his brother um and I've met uh the bassist Sh- Shavo yeah Shavo I've, I've met him he and I did a thing together for the artwork um or my friends uh, Corey and Ravi at Scene Four when I did our, my first artwork piece, the bit of photo of my mother holding me as a as a newborn, as I was less than a year old, I think. Um, that when we did the handprints and the lyrics, he did a piece and I did a piece, and we had the opening was in uh, I want to say, oh shit, fuck, at Mid Wilshire. It was so long ago. Uh, I met him; he was really nice um, uh, too. So. Uh, it was with Tempesta though. So that's, everybody loves Tempesta. So, um, myself included, obviously. <laughs> and so at least he, the three of us, I, I, maybe in his defense, I did tease him and Johnny. We watched, stood on the side of the stage and watched Dillinger escape plan. And, uh, the drummer, uh, whose name eludes me, uh, redheaded, kind of redheaded kid, Adam, I want to say, fuck, I should know this because I love their music. Um, he was unbelievable. And I was standing next to Johnny and John, the drummer from system. And I was like, you guys better step it up, man. This kid blows you away. I said something super smart ass. Cause this kid is really, I, I gotta know. I, I, I gotta, I'm, I'm so dumb. I know Ben, uh, who's really cool. Um, I'm sad they broke up. I, I like that band. Let me let me look it up real quick. Um, do you know Dillinger at all? I don't, but I have spent some time around Corn and 
That's good. Was it Chris Penny? Chris? He was yeah, the. I don't know anything about Dillinger, actually. Oh, you're kidding! Really? You should... I know, but you're the you're the musician guy. Like, there's a few that like I just haven't you know gone all in on. I haven't yet with them. But what you were saying earlier about like you're a music guy. I'm a music person, but I'm such a new metal fan. So even the songs we were talking about earlier that were so, um, you know, like less mature lyrically, but huge hits. But what's great about them is that they were new metal and they were one of the bands that got me into new metal. And that sprung an entire passion for this music. And then I learned more about it. But new metal is Wait, like who where did? I started off. Corn did? Yeah, corn and Limp Bizkit. I had, I believe it was like fifth grade. I was in fifth grade and my crush, Jason Clark, uh, liked Limp Bizkit and corn. And I wanted to impress him to make him like me. So I would go home after school and watch corn and Limp Bizkit on TRL. And I started watching TRL and that's how I learned about it and got into it. And I would go to school the next day and like talk about the music to be cool. But I just really always was so passionate about uh, new metal and I've been watching so many shows on the nineties. Have you been watching any of those? Like the dark side of the nineties, Pam and Tommy that came out. That series is really good. The new one on FX. Um, I don't have, uh, I, I don't have uh, TV. I have, I just have uh, everything I watch. I stream on Netflix, Disney, uh, Amazon and um, MLB the, to watch watch my fucking stupid baseball team who suck shit. Okay. Yeah. I think like a few of them are on like Hulu or prime or something like that or Netflix even, but it's been really interesting and fun to see all the nineties shows. God damn it. I can't believe I'm, it's either Billy Reimer or, uh, Chris Penny. It's one of those guys. I think anyway, uh, yeah, he's great. Yeah. Really, really something. You should check out Dillinger, man. Uh, they're, they're, I mean, they're, you're, you, they broke up, so you won't get to see them live. I mean, their live show uh, was ridiculous. Just, like, ridiculous. I, I've never seen anything like it. They, when we saw them uh, at that festival, it was still kind of, they were young and, um, and crazy, um, and when we saw him in Dublin, we had a night off in Dublin, um, Ireland and we went and, uh, it was a, they were, it was toned down quite a bit. The singer still climbed up on the balcony and stuff like that, but they weren't doing fucking, you know, like Ben, who, I, who I'm friendly with. He's a fellow ESP guy and a really nice guy and a great guitarist. He, um, he would like fly up you know, off the kick drum up to the top of the bass amp and jump. I mean, like I, they've got, had to have broken ankles and fucking, they fly around. Like, I mean, it's like nothing I've ever, ever seen. And to play what they're playing and do it like <laughs> fucking hell, man. Like that's crazy. But, uh, but the bottom line is the first time I heard them was a cassette tape. Someone made for me and the music's cool. It's just really cool. It's just, it's cool shit. It was, it's to me, it was fresh. Um, refreshing to hear something like that because uh, there's just I, I was just did a lesson with uh, I have a composition student composition theory student in London uh, and he's uh, one of my favorites um, I have about a half dozen favorites but he's one of my favorites uh, 
And we were just talking. He's a bassist by trade, and he works with uh, some of the Queens guys. I forget who. Queens and uh, what's the band that came out? Anyway, uh, just how um, so many bands are just are, are taking no musical chances. They're, you know, a lot of the, 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 his words kind of regurgitating, perfectly regurgitating the 90s. And so people that didn't know bands like us or, or other 90s, you know, bands that were big in the 90s, you know, wouldn't know where it came from. And uh, I, I don't follow it because I'm not, I'm not interested. I, you know, because if I hear something that's stale and been done, I just don't give a shit, you know. And, and frankly, I'm still trying to, I'm still working on Bill Evans' um, piano licks on the guitar and, you know, trying to figure out how to get the saxophone sounds. Uh, and uh, I think that's, it's weird. I started noticing it in New York um, before I moved to L.A., uh so that would have been end of the 90s like uh you know i would go see bands and the bands were kind of it seems like the early part of that decade where we you know were were playing and all these interesting bands were playing from uh you know surgery and um you know sonic youth was i had been around for a while obviously but rat rat r and like skull and surgery and um it's kind of interesting bands you know were playing in new york at the time and then later in the decade you know people 10 years younger than me or whatever and i'd go see him play and i'm just like what are you guys doing like is this like the trend now stoner rock or plays music that sounds like the 70s meets the 90s and it doesn't turn me on you know because i because i heard zz i used to smoke weed to zz top when i was 16 you know, in 1976 and, you know, and ACDC and, you know, Sabbath and obviously Zeppelin Aerosmith was amazing, you know, until they weren't, until they stopped. Um, uh, I, I loved Ted Nugent. I loved those first two albums. First three, free for all was the third one, right? Uh, can't listen to him now because of his politics. Um, you know, and he doesn't, I saw, watched the live thing of him and it was kind of stale, but, uh, I mean, who, who am I? He's Ted Nugent. He's great. He's a great guitarist, you know, but I don't know. I just need something, you know, something I haven't heard before, you know, like, and. Um, what do you think about Greta Van Fleet? About which one? Uh, have you heard of Greta Van Fleet? I did hear a song. I didn't, I, if I was like, okay. Um, yeah, it's very like 70s-esque and people are either absolutely, oh my God, or just ripping off you know, sounds from the past, not into it. So I didn't know if you were like in love with it or no. Just somebody sent me a song or told me to listen to a song or told me about him and I listened to him and I was just like, okay, yeah. stick, you know, to me. I mean, whatever. I, I, I'm old. Um, you know, I, I don't, like I say, I don't care what people wear or how cool they act or whatever. Um, you know, if you're going to do the, do a shtick, uh, come up with a new thing. You know who I, I remember seeing in Europe uh, at a festival. I was we we had played and they were the late night band. Uh, I want to say the Hives, and they were wearing uh, white suits, matching white suits, uh, and they were funny. He was a super smart ass on stage, and they were. It was really good. Um, the energy was incredible. He, he said, "I know Sonic Youth was the headliner." And they went on after, like, as the, you know, at the late night festival closing band kind of thing on that stage. And 
he goes, he goes, we'd like to thank all our warm-up bands. That's <laughs> <laughs> hilarious. That is so something I would want to say. It just was so good. And they just rocked. And it was, I just, I don't know. They, there's, it's one thing to take musical elements that we're all familiar with and just rehash regurgitate it's another thing to do your thing with it you know what i mean so i mean it's not like you don't have to reinvent the wheel but come on man like i just so i i just get uh, i i I don't know i'm i'm not interested because i have still this fantasy that i'm going to write this amazing electric guitar orchestral concerto which i will and i have started it but um I, i i just i don't know i want to hear this i want to hear stuff expanded in this way and this way so um not any more cookie cutter formula bullshit you know it's like uh, when i the first time i heard acdc i was scared i was like the fuck is this like and i heard it that year like that that album highway to hell came that's the first thing i heard so i hadn't known them you know when they started 74 five, six. I heard Highway to Hell and I was just like, whoa, I have seen the light. <laughs> like it was just stunning and it still is. It's still stunning. And it's, you know, people are like, well, anybody can play that. I'm like you, nobody can play that. You know what I mean? I know the chords. I know. I, 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 yeah, sure. I know the chords. I know the rhythms, the figures I know, but just can't play like that man it's just every time i i have my phone is on random in my car because i just like listening to stuff you know i have so much music and if it's up to me i'll just put on the same thing all the time or you know ray fawn williams symphony five or fucking miles smiles or whatever and so it just rotates so i'll hear songs just randomly and so it'll come on and acdc will come on and just like woo. That picked me up, you know, it sounds louder than everything else, first of all. And it's not just because it's per- beautifully mixed and mastered. It's because it's the way they play. Helmet always come, helmet songs come on too. And if I'm, you know, in the mood, I'll listen. Because I don't, I haven't listened to our recordings. So it's just kind of forces me to go, oh, God, you know, I forgot I did that part. I should, <laughs> I should do that. You know, you know what I mean? Like little vocal mannerisms or things that you just, because you play a song for 30 years and you forget about some of the cool shit you did in the studio, you know? So, but um, yeah, uh, people that don't understand ACDC um, are, I don't consider real musicians. <laughs> well, this I, is such a music. This is so in depth musically right now. I know you have your guitar right there. Do you want to play us a little something from what oh, you're composing or do some riffs uh, real quick? Oh, when I'm, when I'm composing, I'm not composing with the guitar. I'm composing with with uh, a keyboard. So it's because like, I have like brass woodwinds. Uh, this piece that I'm writing right now is brass and woodwinds, mm-hmm. uh, and then that's the upright bass, stand up bass with you know bow and but um, uh, and percussion. I have six percussion parts, but. Uh, my lesson today i was just uh, this is boring as hell this is music theory stuff i was we, we were talking about this the is theory. exactly why everyone's tuning in this is not boring as hell anything you oh. can say is going to be the reason why people tune in so. oh 
Well, we're, I, I introduced my student to, the, to this great book by Alan Kingstone, this Canadian uh, jazz guitarist who did, who converted the Barry Harris method in, into guitar vocabulary, guitar language. And the, the, the one thing that we discussed, and this is something that I fumbled, I stumbled upon when I was a 20 year old, you know, sophomore in college, dumb, dumbass. And I called my instructor, Gary Hagberg, and I said, Gary, a minor seven flat five is C minor six. And he's like, that's excellent, Hamilton. Come in tomorrow and play it in, you know, through the cycle of force in all 12 keys. And I was like, oh. <laughs> but Harris talks about, about this, Barry Harris, and, and said, Thelonious Monk said, all this is, is uh, you know, all minor seven flat five chord, this chord, which is the seven chord in a major key. Uh, and uh, uh, so, it, like I say, it gets boring. That's key of B flat. Um, uh, it's the same exact notes as this, the C minor six. So he can't, they, they come up with the scale and then harmonize the scale. It's really, uh, and so I was showing this to Nick, my student today. And I said, how about we take these chords and we use substitutions? So as a, as a composer, you know, yeah, I can play this. Whatever, you know. It's a two five one in G minor. But you know, let's take a two five one in the relative major of that key, which is B flat. So that's that also happens to be the song Autumn Leaf, which is another thing I was working on. Uh it's it's all related, you know. What so anyway, I said let's let's take you know, those chords and say, you know, if we know that an uh, C minor six is a, a substitute for A minor seven flat five and A minor seven flat five is a substitute for F nine with no root, let's play the C minor six and think about bass movement instead of going to this. We're going to go chromatically down. And then instead of playing the one chord, I'm going to substitute a tritone, do a tritone sub, but a minor seven chord, a minor 11, actually. It's just, and this, you come up, I came up with this beautiful progression. Uh, can't remember where I went after that, but. Um, so just kind of like, you know, trying to, he's a composer, he's a songwriter and he has a band and his band's like really digging what he's, what he's what he's writing because he's coming in with these rather than just like let's regurgitate what everyone else has done or what we've done or whatever like like people are afraid of music theory rockers are afraid of music theory and it's and it's like it's it, it can be as simple or as complex as you want to make it you know what i mean you don't have to you know you, you don't have to you know you know two fives do the cycle of fours you know but it's it you're going to hear things differently if you there's a two five and i'm using open string whatever um you're going to hear things differently and it's going to expand your ear and your your compositional ideas i, I write away from the guitar so i hear i hear something and then i pick the guitar up rather than sitting here and going okay you know this is early days of helmet i mean because this is it lays so beautifully on the guitar, and so you keep coming up with these ACDC riffs, but you can't play ACDC riffs because they're they do it perfectly. So because I had 
had this background in, you know, in music education, I studied and I, I learned, I learned scales and, you know, modes and chords and substitutions and all these things and play jazz and love improvisation. Um, it, influ- it, it impacted the way I write. And so people were like, how did you come up with the vocabulary? I was walking home at four in the morning. Don't know where I'd been, but I was walking up Avenue A. I lived uh, with a, a friend in Stuyvesant Town and I got this riff in my head and I got home and I was hearing this note and I go, well, that note's not on the guitar when the guitar is tuned to E. That's the lowest note on the guitar when it's tuned to standard. So, you know, it'd be, uh, you know, your E chord would be like this. And I said, I don't, you know, I, I'm hearing this note, this riff. That note. So I go, hmm, if I tune the string down a, a whole step, I can get that note. So I started hearing, writing what I was hearing. I stopped trying, I stopped sitting here with like every other guitar player, noodling, playing, 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 coming, writing hackneyed ACDC and uh, uh, Husker Du riffs, you know, because I love Husker Du as well, you know, two different eras, the two different, two amazing bands. Um, and it just freed me. So then I had to listen to what I was hearing. And then I'd pick up the guitar. What is that? You know, and you start to, and, and these, these ideas start to come. And also thinking in terms of, uh, of, of uh, rhythmic fragments rather than I'm going to try to write, I'm going to try to quote unquote write a riff. I'm going to listen to, you know, so like any kind of um, rhythmic fragment, a melodic pattern, like, you know, you know, or it's two notes, right? Uh, this is one note. What is that? It's a blues that, you know, basically if I flip the beat around two, three, four, right? That's the blues is like, but I did my thing with it. I said, this, what I want to do is I want to do, this is where the kind of, uh, rhythmic exercises that I wrote for my students comes in. I'm going to do a follow. I did a follow-up video, but we've had so much going on and I was so ill. We hadn't been able to post it yet, but um, my dear, dear, lovely Mimi is going to uh, uh, put it up uh, soon, I think. When, uh, uh, but where, how, where did these concepts, where did I come up with these? I think it's, I think it's paying attention to my environment. I so my student yesterday, I have a new student in Oregon, uh, super cute kid. He's got to be like 15, 16 years old. And I, we were talking, I was talking about that. I said, environment, pay attention to your environment. And I said, you don't have to be as big a nerd as I am, but um, I take this phone everywhere with me as every human being on planet earth does. And uh, I just love, I, I have, I have recordings in the bathroom at the airport and in Oslo, because they're playing some really cool music or whatever. But this, um, this one was my favorite, you know, uh, we were playing in Leipzig. We had a not, we were done. We played the gig and we went out for beers and we left this bar that's probably been there for 250 years. And the door sounded amazing. I was, and so the band's walking ahead and I said, I'll catch up with you guys. So 
Wow. That's a door in Leipzig from 2014. <laughs> um, and if you don't pay attention, oh God, this is another beauty. This is this is in Florence. And that is that is gorgeous. And those bells, every every country has they use different um steel or whatever for um for those church bells, right? And we're I'm working on a Netflix. Uh, program right now with my dear uh, friend composer Patrick Kirst who's a USC uh, composition and uh, instructor he has a class at Berkeley as well in Boston but um, the church bells the overtones series we're writing the mute we're, we're doing music based on on those church bell overtones so it's you know B D D sharp F sharp G which is slightly flat A sharp uh, which is very flat, so between an A and an A sharp. So th- that those tone that those tone rows that are series of notes create creates really interesting compositional material. And I, and I just love that kind of stuff. I'm people. Yes, people ask me about helmet. Well, yes, I did study jazz and got my master's degree. Um, yes, I lived in New York City and heard they rode the subway every day and heard all that sort of rhythm that a city like new york has um i know it influenced me and yes i played with glenn branca the other huge factor for me that i try to point to is glenn branca's music um he he had such a great uh i mean he opened a huge door for me because he was pat our drummer stefan playing in four four or just two basically or whatever and we were playing his rhythms against it uh, you know, or, you know, not against it, but it's like, you know, so we say three against four. So it'd be like, one, two, three, da, 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 one, two, one. I can't count and do it. I could play it, but I can't count. Because uh, I'm, you know, anyway, that kind of stuff to me is interesting, you know, and it, and it, and it creates, it gives us some other material besides, you know, sitting in there and ripping off bands we love, you know? <laughs> uh Everyone looks for is looking for you know musical inspiration. You know what I mean? Like a, a, a different different kinds of music. You know, uh, to, I'm not going to. Hopefully, it doesn't sound name droppy. But when I was going through my divorce and I was staying in New Orleans a lot, um, Trent Reznor, um, I was we were friends back then. I haven't talked to him for a million years, but he said, "Stay here as long as you want." You know, I just had to get out of New York because I was just killing myself and. Um, uh, we were talking one day and he said, can you give me some jazz and classical records to, to, to listen to? And so we went to tower records on, in new Orleans on Decatur and, um, and he bought a bunch of different music. So there's a guy that already had, had already sold gazillions of records. This was after downward spiral. He's working on the f- fragile and, you know, as any great writer or composer will do is constantly seeking and looking, you know, for, for stuff. And, and uh, you know, there's no question that that influenced, you know, uh, what he what he wrote. And and that's to me is, you know, that's what we, we do as musicians and composers. And that's so many people that have lost their way and in, in music in rock because they got all this commercial success or whatever it was um, is sad to me, you know, to, to bring somebody else to write songs for you. Like, it's like, really? What? did you lose your, your mojo, your muse, you know, that I assure you will never happen to me, you know, 
<laughs> so I'm, I'm actually going to go work on that show tomorrow. It's the first day I've been able to, to actually physically uh, do it after my illness. Um, so I'm really excited about it. It's the good score. whole score is built around my guitar. There's one cue. He played me this one cue and he goes, this is six or seven tracks. No, eight tracks of you. That's, and I'm like, Those, I forgot I did that. That's all guitars. None of it sounds like a guitar at all. None of it. So that's, um, you know, another thing that I got, I was fortunate to meet Casper Boatsman and um, Robert Poss from Band of Susans influenced me about, you know, talking about distortion and sounds, tone. And, um, and then I just got into, into it, messing with, you know, with pedals and, and distortion. I'm going to have my, by my sofa here, my little, uh, this little, Jammerama, <laughs> that's just my living room pedal board but um it's uh it's fun you know it's it, it's fun and it, and it inspires you to write something different as well you know what i mean not to say an acoustic guitar is not a great source of inspiration because it is but um I, I was reading mccartney talking about that about you know switching instruments learning a piano and how that you know, if you're stuck and stale and not doing anything today on your guitar or whatever, you know, go to another instrument. I wrote the song Crashing Foreign Cars on the keyboard with a Mellotron sample um, and then uh, completely blew it out of my ass when Chris, and I asked Chris, Johnny and Rob to write something fast. Uh, and so I took those lyrics and, you know, used them for the what ended up being Crashing Foreign Cars. Chris, Chris wrote that amazing those amazing riffs and um stuff and then the three of them put it together um one of my all-time favorite songs ever that that was was a true co-write you know like that was a, a an absolute musical collaboration that worked beautifully another one was the song enemies uh working with charlie clauser um who was nine inch nails keyboard sample guy for a um a hot minute and um on um, that era, Dan, the fragile, when I was going down to New Orleans. Uh, and that was cool because that's another thing. I think picking up a new instrument, um, it, it forces you to, to use your ears and listen. If you, if you, so we, we our, our, our technical facility is always ahead of our, our aural comprehension. So, you know, you can play, you know, you know there's a two five but go to the lydian chord and but i wasn't hearing that i was playing a riff i know charlie parker line and i've been playing it for 35 fucking years but it's a springboard to then get you into that zone where you're improvising you know what i mean and and that's what i think we all have bags of tricks and things that we do for our solos, but I, I like to think that I'm actually improvising if I, if I have an idea to get me going. And that's how also how, uh, you know, I've read J.S. Bach, the, you know, maybe arguably the greatest composer that ever lived, uh, did it. He would play a piece by a, a composer he loved to be playing. And then he would start to do a theme and variations. In other words, improvise on that theme, you know, and that's, and, and then come up with, you know, the, I mean, he was incredibly prolific. He wrote just so much amazing music. It's still mind boggling to me. How, you know, it makes me feel like a complete schmuck, you know, that when you see how, what he's done, what he did, you know, and, uh, uh, 
and and here that he died in uh well, 16, 1750 right um and and this here we are in 2022 and his music's still you know kick ass <laughs> that's pretty amazing right this was, yeah i mean as a music fan and someone who's not a musician i feel like i just watched the best documentary and music i've ever seen in my entire uh, life just listening uh, to you i feel like i just watched the coolest thing on hbo max or showtime uh, or stars it was just really incredible listening to all of your stories and that's really fascinating I've never really wanted to be a musician. I just really always love talking to people and doing press. That's always been where my heart was with it, but it's really inspiring and really interesting. Even for me, I'm not a musician, but that's really interesting. The way you think about it, it's listening to your surroundings and even doors and things like that. Like that's fascinating to me, just like that you recorded the way a door opened. That's absolutely fascinating. Yeah. But how cool does it sound? Like, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And it's just the, w- the way it transitioned definitely does give you an idea for a quarter. No. So. Yeah. 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 It sounds, it sounds like a prehistoric animal whale to me. Yeah. And, you know, and that door has been open and closed thousands of times over, over 200 years, you know, yeah. an old pub in Leipzig, which was the former East, East Germany. And it, to me, it's fascinating, the lives, you know, the stories that what people that walk through that door over 200 years. And that just, to me, it's like, how can you not be excited and interested in that, you know, because we're, it's, we're just in this, you know, in this life carousel or whatever you want to call it, where, you know, like uh, Bach passed it on to Mozart, passed it on to Beethoven, passed it on to Liszt, passed it on to Mahler so on and so forth and they passed it on to us and so it's your it's your duty as a musician to to go back and explore explore that music and to to find you know you find inspiration you know you, i constantly find inspiration and i'll never run out of music to listen to or love or things to work on on the guitar you know ever just won't ever happen never and uh I just get excited. You know, I was so sick last week, you know, for all those 10 days that I could barely play. It was painful to sit like excruciatingly painful. So I ended up sleeping a lot and, you know, drooling on myself and <laughs> sweating and watching daredevil. Uh, you know, I'm running out of Marvel stuff to, to, to watch, you know, but uh, um, yeah, it's, I, I can't, I, I don't know how people get, get to the point where they feel, uh uninspired i i understand exhaustion and staleness you know it happens to all of us but but then you know explore and look seek you know and i think that 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 is um you know the same for any any creative endeavor you know like whether you're a painter or a poet or a you know guitarist or a um you know to there's you you constantly i mean i write lyrics obviously for all these years and I have, I always have books from, you know, William Butler Yeats and Ezra Pound and, you know, Charles Simic, um, you know, Sylvia Plath, all these poets. And I'll just pick something up and read a poem, you know, and it'll blast off and send you down a, down a, down a road, you know what I mean? Or like I've, I, I got obsessed with Mark Twain, I don't know, about 15 years ago. So I read almost everything that, you know, 
that I could get my hands on and, and just seeing how musical his writing was, you know, he was, it, it's, it's, it's like, you know, it's prose, but it's poetry. You know, there's a, there's a musical rhythm to, to, to what he did. That's fascinating to me. I can imagine writing prose and you have to, you know, I mean, how many words are on a page and you write a 300 page book or, you know, or, or, or maybe like this, this is a, one of the greatest books ever, ever written Joan of Arc by about one of the most amazing human beings that ever lived. But, uh, and he says, I like Joan of Arc best of all my books and it is the best. That's, that's pretty amazing. Uh, and I love the fact that he wrote his, uh, uh, autobiography and, that uh, it was, uh, no one was allowed to read it for, uh, I think a hundred years. Um, some, I have it here somewhere. Um, shit. I hope I do. I lost so much when I moved. It's really frustrating. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I have all these speeches, his speeches as well, but, um, anyway, yeah. I mean, there's just, um, uh, these are all, you know, Twain speeches. Which <laughs> I love it. He was cute. Yeah. Amazing guy, man. Amazing guy. I uh, feel really overwhelmed just listening to you. Um, it's very inspiring. <laughs> it's just for someone, um, it applies to anything. And I've been listening to a lot of like books on tape um, app. And I've been listening to like a lot of um, like books on happiness and, um, ways to like train your mind and things like that. And I think there's definitely a correlation between um, one of the concepts I just listened to like a day ago was nothing you did in your past is really real for today. So it was just really like, there's what you used to do, what you're currently doing, what you will do. And it was about letting go of attachment to your past accomplishments or mm-hmm. past disappointments. And I think that really correlates to like what you said, always being inspired and always finding ideas and not resting on your laurels. And if you did something great in the past, um, just keeping up with the inspiration, especially from you, who's been doing it for so many years. Yeah. It's kind of incredible to listen to you say, you know, I'll never not love it. And I'll never not have my heart on it. And I'll never not be passionate about exploring and finding new ideas really it's very you know uh touches my heart definitely very tear-jerking you know touched my heart a lot listening to you talk about that um I feel you know I feel for people that get to that point you know um and but it's it's uh it's their own fault you know And, (laughs) and I think I think um you know for musicians oh let's talks more specifically rock rock and roll my my world um there are so so many trappings you know i I have friends that have made millions of dollars so much money so their lives kind of become about being a millionaire rather than being a musician um and fortunately or unfortunately i i made a million dollars and lost it quicker than anybody ever could you know because i you know went through a divorce and then I went through the whole thing of living like an asshole, you know, as, as we do rock cliches. And that's why I left New York. I had to get out of there cause I was going to be dead. Uh, and, 
it it's like some higher power saying, no, you're not, that's not you. You're not going to be that one of those. You're going to have to you know, scuffle and scrape and scratch and continue to work. So when I look at the pandemic and how uh, the financial hardship it's created, but all the, all the doors that it opened for me, you know, I got to work, uh, you know, get to work with the kids at the school at school of rock, which is amazing. I got to um, start doing these lessons uh, and I ended up having, you know, not just guitar lessons, but as I say, composition and theory students, songwriting, you know, like I work with people about just about music, about music. You know, I produced an album for one of my guitar students bands in Idaho had a blast, you know what I mean? And it's, um, I think it was, it, for me, it was like the way, you know, to quote the Mandalorian, uh, it, Star Wars nerd too. Um, you, you know, the, John Stowell, my great guitar hero mentor up in Portland, Oregon said, uh, Paige, you know, you have all this experience. This is years ago. God had to be 15 years ago. You know, you should, you should be teaching. You know, you, you, you are a, a, a guitarist who loves jazz, who, who produces albums, who does film music and TV music. And, you, you know, and you're, you can talk about it to a certain extent. So, and I was kind of, like, yeah, yeah, maybe, you know, and, you know, cut to this came up and I'm sitting on my, sitting on my um, hands for however many months at the beginning of the pandemic when we were, when we were like, hopefully this thing is going to bust out and april or may you know of 2020 <laughs> fucking yeah right whoops <laughs> and um so i look at it you know i is uh, is it was it was i was dragged you know into it and and uh you know i'm i will never say <laughs> i'm i'm glad because i'm not i lost people very very dear to me um and so many people lost so many people very dear to them it was terrible and awful and um you know so many clubs closed and you know just my our world our music world was so uh it's still we're still affected by it you know we're seeing we're seeing seeing the in the aftermath every band on planet earth is trying to trying to go on tour you know and there are a finite number of places to play and people to go see them us all of us so, you know, I talked to our, our agent, Chicago, and he's like, yeah, well, we're on, we had a third hold or a fourth hold and on a, a club in whatever Des Moines. I'm like, wow. That means, you know, there's a band that has it. Another band has it after them, another band after, you know, so we may, might, may or may not get it. You know? And um, it's interesting. It's really interesting to, just to see how we're, you know, I never took it for granted. I don't, I think most of us is that get to tour and do what we love. Don't take it for granted. I, I hope so. Um, but I mean, talking to James from, uh, from corn before our first show with, with the uh, corn and system of the down and Russian circles. Um, he said, yeah, man, we all have families, you know, it's a different world now. And, you know, and I said, Hey, thank you so much. And he said, oh, it had nothing to do with me, Paige. I take you on tour all the time. If I it was up to me, but, but I'm really glad. Um, and, and, uh, I, I am too, you know, I felt the same way. I was like, yeah, we're just thankful to play. You know, if you had seen the, sh the first show, I was on cloud nine and just say, I can't thank you. Thank you. Just move down corn Russian circles. This is a, you know, heaven to be on stage where I love being, you know, it was so nice. Have my little pedal 
pedal zone and my amps and my guitars and just to be able to sing into the microphone at the top of my lungs and do, it's it's just the greatest feeling there there is it's out of for me it's an out-of-body experience you know always has been just the you know um playing helmet music you know i had that experience playing jazz from time to time when you get in that zone and you're you're you know you're free you know when your pea brain's not uh, holding you back um and getting to play with an orchestra was um the brit festival orchestra teddy abrams um uh i did the leonard bernstein concert um so my my uh lack of experience of working with a conductor which is hard because there's my sheet music and there's him and i'm trying like what do i look at wait i, 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 uh, I have to read the music but i have to watch him you know that was terrible when i tried to do the michael tilson thomas piece but the bernstein is a groove it's the stuff from uh the greatest musical ever written west side story um and uh that was a, god it was fun sitting next to like you know a harp player here and an english horn player here and a pianist pianist behind me and cellists were in front of me i was just in the middle of this there's something about being part of this musical community, these amazing people that play, you know, play classical music. Um, that was, that was amazing. I felt like I was in the womb. Like, this is so cool. Like hearing all these musical parts around me, you know, um, that is a trip. That is a trip, man. That is, wow. yeah, really. Experience. Good. That's so cool. I yeah, just thinking about being surrounded by that. That's incredible. Yeah, think about it. A harp. Mm -hmm. It's an incredible instrument. And an English horn is an incredible double reed instrument. A giant grand piano, a cellist, and just this huge 80-piece orchestra. Like, woo! It's it's so powerful, man. It's really powerful. It's a it's a great thing. Um, I feel like this is turning into the best meet and greet that anyone could ever have with you ever. <laughs> I want to ask some helmet-based um, song stories um, or questions just about like centered around the songs because everything you've said has been so great so far. So I was just thinking about, you know, being in a meet and greet, you know, everything everyone wants to know when they first meet you. But quick question, is Helmet going to be doing a new album anytime soon? I sure hope so. Um, this has been kind of a... a the bane of my existence since we put out dead to the world and our label people are lovely. Um, and they're, they're, they've been really, really great to us, but, uh, it's, I think it's hard for record labels to make money off uh, selling albums and we don't sell a million albums anymore. So, um, I have, we have a record, uh, in the contract and I've been kind of like, I've been asking for several years, please, 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 can we tap the money and go make the record? So um, I have an opportunity to work with a, a co-producer, which I haven't done for a long time. Uh, I work with people that contribute greatly, obviously Toshi and, um, you know, Jay Baumgartner mixed the last album. He's incredible. But as far as like, you know, really producing the songs, it's always been on my shoulders. I got to work with Dave Sardi, which was amazing and Warden Tears, which was amazing, and Butch Fig, which was amazing, and Terry Date mixed Aftertaste. I've been, you know, Andy Wallace mixed Betty and uh, Meantime. So I've gotten to work with all these incredible people, but this is a guy who was a young man 
uh, when we did uh, Size Matters. Jim Jim Kaufman is his name, and he did the B sides. So we did a song like Black Light that Clouser and I wrote. Uh, we did the Killing Joke cover of Requiem. Uh, we did a song called Just Like Me. So uh, uh, and then a guy named Dan Serta mixed them. Dan uh, engineered an album I produced in Nashville for the this band called the Dead Deads. Uh, and he quit rock and roll. He got a gig doing something like a corporate sound gig and it's way easier and more money. And, you know, which is a bummer because he's so talented. And I, I was like, come on, man, come on. But anyway, Jimmy Kaufman, uh, we did uh, early on in the pandemic. I'm uh, my dear friend, Tracy Wiedemann, who's a tour manager extraordinaire for everyone from, you know, Manson to Ziggy Marley to Ario Speedwagon and Hart and you name it. And she, we were all like, what the hell are we going to do? Um, and she had a friend, you know, friend she's known who has this thing called Progress Humanity, uh, progresshumanity.org in Washington, D.C., a nonprofit trying to end global conflict. And she said, would you be interested in being on the advisory board? And I'm like, I'm, I'm like, what do they do? And she said, well, for one, they, they, they uh, created a country for pygmies who were cannibalized and held as slaves. Um, and, uh, you know, negotiated with the, uh, I believe it's the Republic of Congo, um, dictator to, in order to create a country for these people that are just, you know, abused. And so, you know, uh, and I'm like, I'm in. Um, so they came up with this idea to do a, we are the world kind of feel good version of, of, uh, the amazing Paul McCartney Beatles song, let it be. And I'd never tried to sing Maka before I've sang uh, Harrison and I've sang John. Uh, you know, but I never try to sing Maka. He's pretty intimidating. They're all intimidating. They're all obviously incredible singers, but, but McCartney is, I mean, you know, all everything you listen to a Beatles record and who's doing every single high part, you know, above the range that, you know, most of us can even, you know, pee like, uh, you know, and, uh, so I, I have a vocal pr- co-producer, Mark Rank, who I've worked with since I moved, got to L.A., who I adore, a fellow May 18th baby. And um, he knows me well. He knows the voice well. And so we, um, uh, I said, I'm going to send you a couple of versions. And I did it in A flat. I did it, you know, and I told until I, uh, you know, because the, the Beatles version is in C. But so uh, I had to find a key. I'm a baritone. Right. I don't sing. I'm not a tenor. I'm not a, I can't sing high. So I want to talk in dark tuning. Uh, so I found this key works. You know, I find myself in times of trouble. Mother Mary comes to me. Speaking words of wisdom. Let it be. So i worked at the piano stuff on the guitar. Um, and, uh, and you know, just his his kind of chords that are sort so like this beautiful descending. Uh, and went in and and did some takes. Wasn't right. You could tell. And he's like, I and then Mark's Mark. This is why I love working with him. I appreciate your loyalty to to, to Maka and that you're tr- you're trying to get the song in the spirit that, that he. But he's like you're Paige Hamilton and you have a different voice. And he said, and he, he, he 
brought up the song Enemies. And he goes, you know the tone that you sing the verses in Enemies? And I'm like, yep. Click, boom, three takes done. And sometimes you need, uh, uh, we need that. We need an outside ear, an outside, someone we trust and respect to, to kind of guide us. I mean, that's what producers do. That's a producer's job. I never understood who I, Steve Albini, has this, you know, anti-producer mentality. I worked with him and he did, he did, he would say things like, I go, you know, what do you think of that? He goes, sounds pussy good, pussy good. I'm like, thanks for your input. I appreciate it. (laughs) He doesn't want to participate in that way. He's an engineer or he calls himself a recordist or whatever. Good for him. But there's a producer is a real job. It's a real, you know, musical, you know, I mean, not every producer is great, I'm great at it, you know, but, but if I, if I do say so myself, uh, cause I, you have to find a way to make some, someone comfortable and get them in a zone where they can perform. And it doesn't, you don't just turn it on, like, you know, click, flick a switch. And I've dealt with, you know, young bands, older bands, experienced bands, everyone from Gavin Rossdale, who's sold 15 million records to bullets and octane, who were a bunch of young, you know, crazy kids from St. Louis. And uh, anyway, long story short, I, I had done this kind of acoustic thing and Mark said, hey, you know, uh, or I, I said to Mark, well, how would you feel about uh, about doing, he'd been working with Jimmy uh, Kaufman. Um, and, I, and I'm like, would you guys, are you guys up for this? And I told him about Progress Humanity, go great cause, we're in. So my, my drummer, Kyle, who has played on every session I've produced in Los Angeles, because he can play anything. I'm convinced he can play anything. He plays yeah, I did a country folky songwriter girl or, a, uh, you know, a Rocky thing or, a, you know, rock, rock. And, you know, he can he, he just has such musicality. He's 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 a, he's a drummer that sings and he's just so musical, you know. And so brought him in. We did two drum takes done. Thanks. See ya. Um, and he nailed it. It sounds amazing. And we brought in a bassist who's friends with uh, uh the, the, the Jimmy, the uh, you know, uh, who engineered, co-produced, uh, called Greg Cash, is a session, LA session guy. He did a beautiful job, and um, it was great. So anyway, long story short, like getting around to the Helmet album, that is basically the what we're going to do. We're going to work with Jimmy and Mark, uh, and we just have to kind of you know sort things. So my my what I want to do is I've kind of started in between working on this. I'm I'm um, working on a song for a band I'm doing a vocal and guest guitar thing. It's not a, it's not a producing thing, a remote producing thing. It's a guest thing. Uh, so I'll, I'll finish that by this weekend and I'm writing my, my orchestral piece, you know, for, for the 150th anniversary of Christian brothers high school. And, uh, and I'm sorry, kind of started doing these helmet sketches. Uh, and we have shows coming up and um, my goal is by the time we get out on the road in, august to have a couple of songs ready to go and and do like we used to do when we did meantime uh we had done strap it on and i was still writing 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 and we'd go we'd do two weeks of shows or three weeks or four weeks or five weeks of shows and we would play fbla2 you know before it was recorded or we'd play role model or we'd play songs that i had written but we had never recorded so we had this opportunity to play them live and i love that you know, uh, FBLA two. I, I hadn't come up with that odd time turnaround yet. You know, bam, but da You know, the stutter thing that everybody falls out of their chair on. Um, so, just the benefit of 
getting to play it live. So that's kind of the goal. I have a couple of songs and, and then, you know, when the band's all lubed, lubed up and hot and ready to go, you know, then hit the studio. So that's, so, you know, we'll see. I hope, I hope that, I hope the powers that be that, you know, the music gods are with us and they, you know, cause I don't have the money, you know, to, to fund it. I just don't anymore. You know, uh, <laughs> I did four years ago, but <laughs> you know, the pandemic fucked me over. So, um, yeah, it's, I'm really excited. It might be, it might be like the, the last helmet album, you know what I mean? Cause I can't see myself doing this at 70. So <laughs> we'll so see. The answer is always no, but can you share any ideas that you have? I don't know if that's ever a thing that anyone can ever do. It's something I'm always curious of. So maybe I should just retire the question. Yeah, no, it's not that I wouldn't um, because, but uh, it's, it's the way I work is I compile uh, ideas. So that means in, uh, in on my, in my little studio room I have here on my, on a hard drive, there are, uh, these, these, these riffs or these two chords or these two chords and, um, and, a, and, a, and a, 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 of what we call a vowel movement, which is like, you know, it's a melodic yeah. fragment that goes with the chords. So I have the melodic idea or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or then I have, I have these piles and piles of notebooks, um, that I surround myself with. And I, and I, I get, I'll just get like, this is a great. And I sit down and I write for 10 minutes. And so it's just a bunch of shit, but out of that bunch of shit, I'll extract this and this and distill it down into a song. So we're not at the place where there's even a structure yet for anything, but I have, I have this really, really, really cool idea. Uh, it's on my phone. Uh, I can't play it for you because somebody will steal it because it's so good. Um, <laughs> and it's, I'm really excited about it. I got this I- idea and, and I know what the inspiration for it is. And I don't even want to say that, but a song from the seventies that I, it was on the radio that I always love, 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 love. Um, I love it. Well, yeah. that sounds really exciting. It's fun, man. It's so much fun. It really, it's, it's so much fun. The other, the other um, factor that I'm, kind of uh really intrigued by is that working on this totenfrau it's called it's a it's a the netflix series it's about human trafficking um and it's a really intense really intense i have a hard time watching what i'm playing on half the time because of the you know women captured and the shit it's very violent uh and i i have always had a hard time watching seeing anyone suffer um, and, and, but ironically, I'm really good at making sound that goes well with that, that suffering. <laughs> it's, you know, it's so weird. Like, but, um, the, uh, because the, the director, uh, and is so into non-guitaristic sounds. Uh, and this is something that I was really fortunate to meet Elliot Goldenthal many, many, many years ago. And I played on the first big score I played on was Heat. Uh, the De Niro Pacino, that amazing Michael Mann movie. Uh, and, I've, and, you know, since then with Elliot, I got to work on, you know, Final Fantasy and Across the Universe and uh, Titus and The Tempest and In Dreams and The Good Thief and all these amazing um, movies and, and get to do to do the sonic, sonic sculpture stuff. So I've gotten 
better and better and better and better at it to the point now where I have this kind of sound. The sound I'm never going to recreate the sound twice, but I have I have a setup that I can can create these sonic things. So my idea is that um, the Helmet album may contain a, a large percentage of these sonic, um, you know, uh, ideas that are not guitaristic at all. You know, they're their sounds because it's still it's still about that you know bum 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 you know it's still about that that musical rhythmic fragment and so who's to swipe you could do it on a kazoo you know if it's good it's good so that's um yeah anyway so it's really going to be like I, an homage to your life as a producer and that and as a your life and as a hired gun guitar guitar player you know mm-hmm. like guitar so that's i'm really excited to work tomorrow patrick uh is you know has been really really patient and he's really worried about me because of how how sick i was uh i told him yesterday hey i think i could come in i think i could sit for six hours and play so i feel right now i'm sitting i had acupuncture and i'm like i'm like 95 percent (laughs) pain-free i'm the five percent just the five yeah yeah i know yeah really it's it's hard to to concentrate or you know be creative when you're when you're not when you're you know it's really tough it's tough man it's um so i you know i'm gonna after we finish i'm gonna eat my i stopped at my favorite uh, mexican place azteca and got a bean and cheese burrito they have and i would argue with someone over this they have the greatest hot sauce of any place i've ever been ever on planet earth it's i could just drink it it's It's so good well i'm the biggest hot sauce fan in the entire world so those are big words like i'm on a really big tabasco face that i've never been in before oh that's a little bit vinegary for me but i like it probably like this is just if you you know next time you're here i'll take you it is oh my god they're like I mean, I get up, you know, I go up, they have to hot, the green sauce is amazing too, both sauces, but I go up and I'm a gringo and they're like, you know, they give me the green sauce and I'm like, red sauce, please. And <laughs> they're like, okay. All right. Cause it's hot, but it's, it's not, it's not burn your butthole hot. It's, it's, it's hot. Perfect. And it's the flavor is just amazing. Like, I wish I could just buy a giant jug of it. <laughs> like I'd, it's good on eggs and toast and, you know, everything. I swear. It's so good. Man. So I'm really into hot sauce myself. And I've worked with this brand called Hella Hot Sauce for a long time. And they've always been sponsors of me. And they do different hot sauces with different musicians. So I'm going to be creating my own hot sauce and have a scandalous hot sauce here in the next like probably month or so once they get caught up um so they're doing one with like death angel right now but they've done like guar and hate breed and like tons and tons and tons of musicians like you should have your own hot sauce they would do they would love to have one with you oh we have our we have our own beer as you know so let me see this is uh this was the first the, the the first uh, propose, proposed can they did a meantime kind of thing yeah uh, that's and i just i like it but it was too dark and i i always liked my favorite artwork was always betty it's it's, it's kind of glary in here right now but that's so happy we did the betty blue uh logo uh lowercase 
Yeah, and it's it won a gold medal at, at its first beer competition in California. Wow. Yeah, there it's called Alosta, A L O S T A Brewing Company. They're in Covina, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, which is right right down the road here, um, east of me. Um, and it's it's I drink you know Budweiser because I'm a I'm a hick from Oregon, um, and and it's the king of beers, and it has a flavor lot crown. Um, but uh, but I I drink one of these. It tastes great. It's a Kolsch. Uh, it tastes really, really good. You just, I can't drink a bunch of them because I get, I get. I did uh, break it. I made myself a drink. I can't oh. not drink if I'm talking to you and you grabbed a beer. Yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not supposed to be. I, I just, it's just bad, bad, bad habit. You know, it's. Uh, me, me either. But hey, if I'm talking to you, what else am I going to do? Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's. It is, it is nice to have an afternoon cocktail and it's, you know, it's six o'clock. Yeah. So. There you go. Yeah. I started drinking Malibu like in my early twenties because I started working from home and I realized if I had two or three, I could still coherently answer the phone in case anyone called. Uh-huh. First little tap into working from home, drinking from home, all the things. Yeah. That's Malibu rum. Oh, I treated myself. Yeah, I made myself a Malibu with some Mio, you know, and a little bit oh, of vodka in it. Nice. Sometimes. And then I'm going to a Testament show after this. So yeah. Oh, no way. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my friend um, texted me. He was like, hey, you're going to the show? I was like, I don't know. Am I hooked up for it? And he was like, yeah, you are. And I was like, yeah, okay. I'll be there. Have you seen them before? No, never. So I'm yeah, super excited. I think you're going to love it. They're great, man. They're really yeah. great. It's a very, and it's, I really appreciate things that are beyond, um, you know, beyond great music. It's just to be revered and respected. And it's a very big deal. And I really love and appreciate that. And that's going to be like there, a very cool Al- thing for me to see. Alex uh, Skolnick, I assume Alex is playing with him. Uh, you'll, you'll see the guitarist with long hair. And I think he has like a gray streak in it or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's phenomenal. He's, he's a jazz. I mean, he's like a bona fide, like, like not like interested in jazz, like Kirk Hammond or whatever. He fucking plays jazz like a motherfucker better than me for sure. And he's just, he sight reads. He plays with, uh, the, uh, trans Siberian, I think it is orchestra mm-hmm. uh, as well. And he's, I've seen footage of him playing with, uh, Rodrigo Gabriela. Um, he's just a really great musician. You know, so yeah, you're gonna you're gonna love them. They're they're really great. They're great. I saw them uh, years ago at House of Blues here in L.A. with Tempesta uh, playing drums. He's you talk about him a lot because y'all are such good friends. And being around him when he was at Headbangers Con, he's such a little gremlin. He's such a funny character, just like running around, and he's nefarious. He's very funny to be around. I think he's like a trickster in a various way. He's very, very personality. Very, very mischievous. Fun. He's a fun loving. He's he's a guy that's got uh, you know a lot of God given talent, but he also works very hard at his craft. He practices and uh, and he's he's very serious. When we did the Size Matters record, he we worked and worked and worked and worked and he works on his own and we work together and he's just, I, I was so, what's the word? I I would say disappointed. That's not strong enough. 
disgusted that the cult made their new album and they got a different drummer to record that. That's what I heard. And I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, I, it just, it bumps me out for him. And it makes me wonder what the hell they're thinking. You know, like, why would you have a drummer like that in your band and, and bring in a, a, a different cat? You know, I don't know. I, I, I'm loyal to my band. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. they know, they know if they're, if they're not pulling their weight that I'll, I can bring someone in. I would, I told them that years ago when John, the bassist and Kyle were partying like fools on the road, I pulled them in the back of the bus in Switzerland. And I said, Hey man, we're going to make an album. And, and, I know guys I could get that will play on it. I said, you guys are dropping the ball. You got to step up. And Kyle's like, fuck that. And he started working his ass off. Stop the crazy. It was, I understand you get in a band that's touring the world, you know, for the first time. And you're, you're just like, this is amazing. We're in Sydney, Australia. We're staying in at the beach in Coolangatta and, you know, so, you know, topless girls surfing and, you know, you're going crazy, you know, uh, but it's like you can play and have fun, but you got to do the work. You know, you got to do the work. And Kyle completely stepped up and and uh, he's done a great job on the last three albums. I love love what he love his playing. You know, there were uh, a guy, a, a friend, Mark in uh, sorry in Murder uh, that movie they did Murder Ball. Did you ever see that about the uh, the documentary about athletes who are physically disabled to play? Real I did children? see that. Yeah. What yeah. about it? Well. One of my Austin friends is is uh, is one of the stars of of that of that movie and that that team. Uh, Mark uh, uh, Dupont. He's he's uh, he's one of my Austin buddies, and he and I have we've gotten faced before. I don't know if that if he was with us that that night, but he he's just a really great dude and um, always shows up for us, you know. And we but he's wheelchair. Bound. He was an incredible athlete, but he was out as young, you know, people do in the back of a pickup truck and thrown and was paralyzed. Uh, and so he he made something of it, you know. Of yeah. You know, he said, "Hey, I'm not going to sit around on my ass and feel sorry for myself." And he became this great athlete, like Olympic athlete. And uh, we, I just love seeing him. And, and Austin's, you know, where I see him. And we've had some really. I met him through through Winona because. She, her friend, Alex Rubin, or whatever he goes by now, Henry or Alex, I can never remember. Uh, Henry Alex. (laughs) (laughs) His, when I met, it was Alex, but then six months later it was Henry. And then now it's Henry Alex. Uh, (laughs) he was, uh, one of the directors, um, and she was, she's friends with him because he, he was a, what do you call it? A second director, you know, when they'd shoot B-reel, uh, on a movie. Mm-hmm. It was one of those guys for, I want to say James Mangold or somebody big, somebody I love. Uh, anyway, they're friends. And through her, I met him and we went to the premiere of the movie, uh, had a blast. I met Mark and uh, I don't, I'm not, not in touch with her anymore, but I'm in touch, but he and I get to see each other. So, um, awesome. yeah. Well, I would love an introduction. I would love to have one drink with Paige. Can't talk anymore. I would love an introduction to him. I would love to have him on the podcast because I did see that documentary and was really moved by it. Yeah, I'd love to talk more about that. That was really yeah. Cool. Let, yeah, let me. Um, That's very I, cool. All right, when we we're gonna be there in. Uh, Are you gonna be in Austin? In the fall, not till the far. 
ball. I know. Yeah, it's a ways hey. off. Uh, well, who knows? I might see it after shop. I was thinking we're going to, well, it's, it's weird. I mean, we're playing with clutch and quicksand and that show. Uh, and then there's an, there's an opener and quicksand and helmet are flip flopping. And that night we play before them. So I'll be done really early. I'll get the fuck out of there. And we'll party. And you know, unless you want to go see quicksand and uh, clutch. <laughs> Very funny. Um, dang it. What was I going to say? Oh, question. Um, I've always kind of wondered this as a funny, funny, and I can also edit it out. Did you ever watch Stranger Things? No. You didn't? Okay. I'd always wondered if you watched it, like what you thought of it, if you thought it was really cool, if you like watch your ex's movies or anything like that. I had always kind of wondered that. And I didn't know. I was like, have you seen Stranger Things? I'm uh, biased. uh, So I always think she's good, you know? Um, (laughs) Yeah. And I think she is, I think she's obviously talented. I mean, she's Winona Ryder, man. She's, she's, she's an icon. Um, uh, I, the last thing I saw her in is a movie I've seen twice. Uh, I want to say it's called Homefront with Jason Statham Mm -hmm. uh, and James Franco. And she plays James Franco's girlfriend. They're like crack or meth or something uh, manufacturers and dealers in like the Bayou or something. I think I want to say Louisiana, but she's really good. She's really good in it. It's a creepy role and I'm kind of proud of her, you know, that's the, but that was accidental because I got on a Jason Statham kick. I I was watching, I think I've seen every goddamn Jason Statham movie there is, but uh, I just love him. I, I just think he, I love action movies uh, smart action movies, you know what I mean? Um, and he's just one of my favorites. Um, and she, and I was like, you know, boom, there she was. I was like, Oh shit. Uh, so, and I've seen it twice because I was beginning of the pandemic. I was watching things, but I've never, my, um, my godson, uh, back east to my best pal, Anthony's son and, uh, his, uh, his sister, his older sister, who's 13 now, she loves the show, and and uh, Anthony and Connie uh, were dating when Winona and I uh, were before they got you know spent their lives together and had kids. Were dating, and Winona and I were dating, so we all had lunch together in New York. Uh, and they they met her, and they loved her, and Sophia, my you know sweet teenage, you know. Uh, you know Anthony's Anthony and Connie's teenage daughter was like, "Can you call her?" I'm like, "No." I'm not gonna call her. Sophia wants to meet you. She's like, <laughs> so awesome. So obviously, yeah. thirteen. She, you know, at the time she was like eleven. So I know the show's good. I mean, I, I know it's had an impact because the kid Sophia loves it. It's you know, she's a smart kid, and I'm you know, uh, I'm I'm happy. I'm very happy for her. I'm nothing but happy. You know, I, 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 I always want the best for her. So I wanted to ask a bunch of questions about your different songs. Yeah. You've told so many incredible stories tonight about yourself as a musician, ideas for music, things like that. I just wanted to give a little bit of that to your fans, Helmet Focus. Just pick one song that you want to talk about and just kind of tell us the story behind that song for time. Cause I know you've got your favorite yeah. Mexican food that I'm keeping yeah. you from, but I just wanted to give 
a little bit of that to the helmet fans who just live by your music? Uh, one of my favorite songs uh, is uh, is called Red Scare on um, Dead to the World. And, uh, you know, I, I grew up in the, you know, I was born in 1960, grew up in the 60s and 70s. And there was the whole, you know, Big Bad Russia and the, the, the commie thing and the red, what they called Red Scare. Uh, you know, there was uh, the blacklist that happened in Hollywood before I was alive. But um, I had this kind of notion that it, it's a never ending um, manufactured uh, enemy, you know, that we that that our 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 culture or our our freedom allows us uh, or requires that we have an enemy. And it was, it was, you know, the, it, back then it was Russia and then it became, uh, Muslims, uh, then it became Mexicans crossing the border. And so red sand is obviously, you know, I'm thinking, referring to the, you know, the, the, the desert, you know, uh, and, uh, plus red sand is so beautiful and I loved it for the album cover. Uh, so red sand, red sea, red scare, um, uh, all you need is fear. And that kind of comes from my loathing of, uh, of right-wing fascist um, news outlets that, that rule people. I saw it with my parents, may they rest in peace, who I love with all my heart and soul, um, being brainwashed um, by, you know, by right-wing news. And um, they plant fear. It's all, it's, it's all this sort of, so it's, I mean, it's not some crazy conspiracy theory I have. It's the fucking truth. It's the way that they, they function. And it's now it's so desperate and so pathetic that we have the, 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 the most incredibly stupid people, the, the crazy eight, uh, as they, as, as we call them, I, I, I'm uh, on, on the mailing list for the, the crazy eight. So I get emails about, you know, the, the Lauren Boebert, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Getz, um, you know, those people that are in Congress and, 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 and part of running our country. So we've come, we've, I've been writing about this from back. It, there's a, there's kind of a, a thread. If you go back to a song called driving nowhere off aftertaste from 1997, um, uh, let me think of the lyric, uh, uh, confront the daily setbacks, all the lows and highs. So we're talking about every man, every woman sitting in there, you know, you know, every man is, is the, is the notion. So, uh, uh, you know, uh, with, uh, with anesthetic means I'm fit to socialize. In other words, I need, I need pills, I need booze, I need anesthetic means to socialize, to communicate, uh, driving nowhere fast, accelerate to pass. Now oh, I've got time to kill a last. Um, then my, my, my FBI buddy said he always loved, how did you get uh, uh, United Arab Emirates into a song? And I go, I'm like, I don't know. I made it rhyme. Um, <laughs> I made it I, rhyme. First right but the notion that, but that these people, that every man, every woman, every sitting in our homes were so isolated in the United States that we have, uh, uh, you know, no, no, uh, compassion or awareness or understanding of cultures outside our own. That means if I'm in Medford, Oregon, or I'm in Des Moines, Iowa, or I'm in, you know, uh, Amarillo, uh, Texas, Amarillo, Texas. Exactly. That our, our, our 
political views are are formed, our worldviews are formed by what we see on the television. And this is this is propaganda. It's not news. And um, so that is a is a topic that has fascinated me for for forever. I'm trying to think back to strapping on our meantime if or Betty if there, there there's a, a thread. Uh, it's one of my topics, obviously, that I that I'm interested in because um, I saw it firsthand, you know, and I saw a, a lack of you. You need to 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 go out into the world and meet people and you know. Uh, make out with a Muslim girl, you know, <laughs> or make out with an Israeli girl, you know, but, and, 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 you know, like, Hey, we're human beings. You know what I mean? I mean, I've done that. I made out with a Muslim girl. I made out with an Israeli girl. They're, they're human beings. You know what I mean? They're, they're, they're where they're from, their, their religious background, their heritage is it's we're we're all, you know, we're all human beings flesh and blood. And, and this is a problem we have in our country because we're so isolated. And I, I don't, this is what they call stochastic terrorism that Trump was practicing. It's exactly what Hitler did. It's the Jews. The Jews are ruining everything. Well, Hit, uh, Hitler, I, I call it Hitler. Trump is like, it's the Mexicans crossing the border. As he said, the drug dealers, they're drug dealers and whatever he said, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, criminals and all this stuff. And his poll numbers went up. I'm like, you're you're so wrong you're so fucking short-sighted and i i have and i I don't know i part of my job as an artist and as a songwriter is to try to illuminate these things but you have to put it in a to me i you have to put it in 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 a use a bit of a bit of sense of humor or sarcasm or i don't know what it is but to to lighten the message not lighten the message you have to make it palatable for everyone to enjoy to make them maybe understand and see, well, you're singing one of my songs. Do you really feel that way about, about, you know, people of color or, or, you know, are you going to judge someone? Do you think they're responsible for the downfall of our country? I mean, every Mexican person I know that lives in Los Angeles, which is a 60% Spanish speaking um, city is I, all, I, all I ever see him doing is working. You know what I mean? I mean, whether they're the guys that are doing our, you know, our, uh, our carports right now in my condo or the guys that fixed my, you know, fixed my, my condo or, you know, whatever they're doing, they're always all, they're working in there. They're not taking jobs from, 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 you know, me or from anybody else. You know what I mean? And, and this is, this is, ex- it, this is toxic. And, and, and so, I mean, I, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of the lyrics, you know, replaced, remove, re- replaced, remove, retired. It's time to clean up. Uh, I can't remember my own song. I have to look my songs up on the internet to, to remember. It's <laughs> hard to, so if you're not singing or playing um, in the middle of singing or playing a song, just to recall, uh, it's, it's for some reason, it's hard for me. Whoops. That's not Ted red, uh, red scare. Helmet. Oh, there's a podcast now. Mine hopefully. Uh, okay. Uh, replace remove retired. It's time to clean up wiped out by friendly fire. So that's the notion that we put these kids that are, that are less privileged, the ones that go to war. My, my godson's grandfather is a Vietnam vet, wounded, purple heart, uh, and he loves Trump. Well, Trump got out of going to Vietnam because of bone spurs, because he had a lot of money. You know, he had bone spurs. Uh, and, but for some reason, he thinks that this guy's like, you know, the second coming. Um, uh, wiped out by friendly fire, a minor hiccup. Don't ask, don't tell, don't see. The sun is shining. 
uh, I don't let it bother me. It's just bad timing. You know, it's just bad luck. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> super. Yeah, that's, yeah, it's very tongue in cheek. Super smarty pants. I know I'm a smarty pants. Red sand, red sea, red scare. All you need is fear. Uh, now all this air I breathe is contaminated, meaning I am better than you. You're breathing my air. How dare you? You know, um, it's content. This is Donald Trump wouldn't give these people the fucking time of day. You know, uh, now all this air I breathe is contaminated. This is written before he was president, by the way. Uh, we want, we take, we need, don't keep us waiting. Tell them it's only words. We're united. <laughs> that godless scum deserves what we decide. Uh, so anyway, that's, one of my favorite songs and and also i came up with chords that were really cool and that no one had played before i don't have the right guitar here because it's tuned to drop c but they're these dense interesting um voicings i don't it, it was sound weird go ahead then. that chord it's a whole step this is a whole step higher than the than the uh, concert version, but anyway, so there's a, a common tone it's called, and which is a kind of a drone through going through the whole chorus. Um, I just, I don't know. I just love playing that song and, and I'm really, I'm really proud of it. And, um, and I think, I think bands that are overtly political, in other words, they're standing on a soapbox and they're telling people how to think uh, and what you should think and how you should vote and what you should do. That, that, that turns my stomach. I appreciate this, the, where they're coming from, probably politically 99% of the time, but I think it's a little like a little, uh, ham, a little heavy handed for me personally. And I think, you know, you can write a song that's a social commentary or political commentary, but, but still have it be poetry and still have it be. That's why I say that yeah, a bit of sarcasm, a bit of sense of humor or try, you know, I know, I know my, my songs are snotty, smarty pants. My ex-father-in-law said, said, you know, it's like, all you do is write fuck you songs. He's like, they're good fuck you songs, but they're still just fuck you songs. And I'm like, Hey, everybody has to be good at something. Um, <laughs> And, That's uh, hysterical. Yeah. I know, I know. I was like, I was like, well, you know, there's a lot of people that you need to say fuck you to. You know what I mean? And 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 I would turn around and give them a hug if they would sit down and talk to me. You know what I mean? It's it's. I'm not. I don't hate anyone. You know, I I hate anyone. Uh, I hate that anyone would make another human being suffer. Um, you know, uh, and so I I want to hate that person, but you want to you want to fix them if you can fix them you know hitler obviously wasn't fixable mussolini wasn't fixable trump is not fixable um so they should just fucking die <laughs> well two of them are dead sorry that sounds awful but you know what i mean, uh -huh, I mean yeah I'm raised to, to uh with hatred venom that's the that's what right-wing politics is all about now it has they have no agenda they have no uh they don't stand on any um uh, platforms yeah. All they want is power. All they want is, 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 is to, you know, is to sling mud. And that's, that's a bad place for this country to be. You know what I mean? That's, it's a, I love this country and I've been paying taxes since I was nine years old when my dad uh, had me get a job so I could buy a bike. He could have given me the $25, but he said, you got to get a job. If you want to buy, you want a bike? Yeah. All right. Well, let's get you a job, you know? And uh, so I did, you know, 
So they can't say, oh, fuck you, commie, liberal, left-wing pinko. I'm like, hey, I pay more taxes than you, motherfucker. I pay more taxes than Donald Trump. A lot more. Yeah. Amazing, right? You know, here's this self-proclaimed bazillionaire. So that's Red Scare. And driving nowhere. <laughs> we should look driving nowhere look driving nowhere up real quick because that's pretty funny too, I think. Yeah. I mean that's the ultimate mic drop right there. Driving nowhere. Um Are you just giving me the best interview of my life because you felt bad for me for what that mean man said to me the other day? I swear, Ashley, this happens. I write a song and they make a movie, Driving Nowhere, 2016. There's a movie called Driving Nowhere. I wrote a song. I wrote a song, Speechless. There was a movie, Speechless. What the fuck? Give me some fucking, you know, credit on it. I mean, I know these are catchphrase things. It's not, I didn't invent, you know, them, but that's okay. Helmet A to Z lyrics. We'll go to, we'll go this time instead of lyrics genius. Uh, Uh, confront the daily setbacks, all the lows and highs with anesthetic means I'm fit to socialize driving or fast accelerate to pass. No, I've got time to kill it less. Bombing hometowns. I can watch it free from harm. This happened before September 11th. I wrote this before September 11th, but after Oklahoma city. So bombing hometowns, I can watch it free from harm. Um, United Arab Emirates still keep the gas in my car. So that idea is Again, the isolation of being in America, this massive country with all this square square mileage, and in the middle of nowhere, you have no, you know, you saw on TV what happened in Oklahoma City, but it didn't affect your life because it didn't, it wasn't you, and that is, to me, is a, is is sad. So I'm fine because you know I've got gas in my car that we, you know, are getting from the Saudi Arabia who are <laughs> who torture people or they murder journalists you know what i mean and yeah. and nobody gives a fuck yeah i don't give a fuck i got god fine i'm fine I, you know and, mm-hmm. and and it's i don't know it's uh yeah it's 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 a topic i'm addressing mm-hmm. my lyrics so and it's like i say i'm not one to uh stand on a soapbox or 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 whatever when we did with we play with nirvana in portland oregon um uh, at the raceway in 1992 or three or something like that. It was Nirvana, Helmet, and then another 10 or 15 bands. It was just great. It was a benefit um, for uh, a, a proposition on the ballot no, called, uh, it was No on Nine. We were benefiting the No. They were trying to ban gay teachers in Oregon, um, and which is absurd. Uh, and... Uh, the nose one we we i think i like to think we contributed to these you know assholes not getting their way but jerry a from poison idea who my bassist henry used to play with actually henry bogdan at the time was in poison idea for a hot minute i think he played drums with them henry can play anything um he said hey yeah i appreciated this he said hey you know they went on before i six well you know we're not going to tell you how to vote or what to think or whatever, just, just be aware and participate. I mean, paraphrasing, you know, so it was, you know, said you might, you know, whatever you believe, just, just don't be, you know, don't be closed and don't, you know, participate. We're not going to say, Hey, you got to vote left, right, center. You know what I mean? And I, I, I agree with that. I like that. You know, if you have an opinion, have a reason for your opinion, do your fucking homework, do your research. You know what I mean? And, you know, we did a song for, you know, Michael Stipe's, uh, 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 you know, 
pro pro choice benefit album. I, it's something that I believe in. It's a woman's right to choose. That doesn't mean I believe in abortion. You know, I don't. You know, but it's yeah. a, that, that that woman's right. Yeah, it's not for me. It's not for me to say. You know what I mean? I mean, this is obviously a hot topic in Texas. Yeah. Well, well and it's like all the other states are falling like dominoes right now. I think Oklahoma just passed the same legislation, so it's it's kind of dropping like dominoes. So Trump did a very good job of what he wanted to do while he was in office. We're we're set that we're set back a hundred years. We're we're Trump set us back a hundred years. It's. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, uh, yeah. yeah, scary. It's scary. Too. A- Abbott is evil. He's, he's cost this country millions of dollars by, by doing his, his uh, backup border checks. I don't know if you followed that stuff at all, but there are, there are eight mile long, uh, you know, caravans of trucks. Cause it's there, there, it's taking 30 hours, you know, for these trucks to get across. So produce is spoiling and these produce, the people that are selling the produce are losing millions of dollars. Cause it's like, we, um, we bring it from Mexico. I forget what it is. I wrote, I wrote it down. Um, 2 billion a day in business with Mexico. Uh, so there've been 240 million in losses in produce, um, um, 9 billion in produce across the Texas border. And he's he's uh, he just wants to get a fucking spot on Fox News and say, "Look, we're protecting the border. We have people to do yeah. that." So he finally yeah, rescinded. He's just doing it but, for the soundbite. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So fuck that guy. Yeah. yeah, but I'm going to Testament now, so that's happy. Yes. Yay, yeah. Have fun. Yeah. <laughs> sure, I'm going to go. I'm going to go play some guitar. I believe you. <laughs> well, that was the ultimate uh, mic drop on everything. Um, Great. I'm so, so good. Yeah, so good to see you. Have a blast tonight. Have a have a fun time. Give me a report tomorrow. I will. Absolutely. Okay. Talk soon. Bye. Bye. Be safe. Bye. I will. Thanks. Okay, good. This podcast is produced by me, edited by Taylor Anderson. If you want to support the show, share it with a friend or rate and review on iTunes. It helps so much with the growth of the show. It really does. You can follow me on Instagram at scandalsofficial. And if you're interested in being a podcast sponsor or have any feedback for the show, you can email me directly at press at scandalsofficial.com. Mm-hmm.